As I'm recording this, earlier today, Pfizer's mRNA vaccine received full approval, no longer being used under its former emergency use authorization. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, known as IPCC, likes to claim there is scientific consensus concerning man-made global warming, which is euphemistically these days called climate change. IPCC makes the claim that there is scientific consensus because it bans all highly credentialed professionals who hold a view contrary to IPCC's predetermined position. Obviously, claiming that scientific consensus exists when you have banned all the scientists who don't agree is corrupt. And that's exactly how the FDA approved Pfizer's SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. It excluded consideration of all the data that raises troubling concerns about the vaccine. The good news is the FDA's corruption doesn't stop you and I from discussing the vaccine. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Welcome to the fifth installment of my series, SARS-CoV-2 and its vaccines. In the fourth installment, I discussed the overwhelming evidence that the mRNA vaccines are not activating production of memory T cells, which is why we're seeing a reinfection rate in those who have been vaxxed of 50 to 80%. Today, in this fifth installment, I want to discuss the possible consequences of a vaccine that does not activate production of memory T cells. Why are memory T cells so critical? First, I encourage you to watch my earlier presentation, installment number four, concerning missing memory T cells. I'll put the link down in the notes. For today, I'll just quickly run through how the body's natural immune process works, which is it detects a pathogen. In response to the pathogen, there is an adaptive immune response, which sends out, which produces and then sends out neutralizing antibodies, which those are what those will call them the infantry. They go out and attack the pathogen, the invader. And when they're done with that, and they've defeated the pathogen, the neutralizing antibodies fade away. What allows your body to immediately marshal the necessary resources to slap that pathogen down instantly if you come in contact with it again, is memory T cells. In the absence of memory T cells, every contact with that pathogen is viewed by the body as a novel contact. It's like the first time over and over and over again. It's your body's immune process version of the movie Groundhog Day, just without the happy ending. In reference to SARS-CoV-2, specifically, how well do our memory T-cells work? Well, data out of Israel shows that reinfection rate in those who have prior infection immunity and have not been vaccinated is 8 one-thousandths of one percent. Statistically insignificant in terms of quantifying it in any meaningful sense, it is zero. A quick recap on how the mRNA vaccine works in the absence of activating production of memory T cells. The person gets the jab. What happens is the body's immunogenic response occurs, neutralizing antibodies are produced, they go and they contact the spike protein, and they do their thing, presumptively destroying the evil invader. 
After the evil invader has been destroyed, then over time, typically about five to eight months, neutralizing antibodies fade away, which is exactly how it's designed to work, because obviously they already defeated the pathogen, they are no longer needed, so their numbers begin to dwindle, and someplace between five to eight months, they are no longer detectable by a standard antibody test. That phenomenon I just described, where they decrease to the point where they're no longer detectable by a standard antibody test. That is what you hear in the media all the time about the vaccine protection wanes over a period of time. That word they use, waning, it simply means that the neutralizing antibodies produced originally by the vaccine have diminished to the point where they're no longer effective and that person no longer has protection. The problem is, in the absence of having any memory T cells, then there's no protection left. People who have not been vaccinated, who have prior infection immunity, they have protection even after the neutralizing antibodies fade. People who've gotten the vaccine do not. So this sets up a pendulum effect where they get the injection, the neutralizing antibodies go up, then the pathogen is defeated, and over a period of months they go back down, now they don't have any more in protection, so they need another injection. Oh, look, the antibodies rise, and of course they defeat the spike proteins from the vaccine, and then the neutralizing antibodies begin to decrease, and now it's waning and there's no more protection, so you need another injection, and up go the neutralizing antibodies, and they go after the spike protein again, and when they have, in theory, defeated the spike protein, then down they come again. You, you get how this goes, right? You can swing a pendulum and eventually it'll zero out. This process never zeroes out. As long as the virus is on the planet, that's how it goes with people who've been vaccinated and have no memory T cells. It's injection, up, down, injection, up, down, injection, up, down, injection, up, down. Yeah, it's obnoxious, right? Imagine how obnoxious it is if you have to live that way for the rest of your life. Given what I just described, it's... <laughs> Disturbing doesn't even come close to describing the obscenity of government and media claiming that immunity from the vaccine is as good as or superior to our natural prior infection immunity. With that said, there are some questions, and they are just that at this point, questions about the potential consequences of that cycle I just described in the absence of memory T-cells. The questions we're going to kick around today have not been answered because the government knowingly, willfully, and intentionally chose not to pursue any research that would answer these questions until after the Pfizer mRNA vaccine or the Moderna mRNA vaccine, or both, received full approval. In other words, the government said, hey, these are very, very critical questions, and if we get an answer that we don't like, which we suspect we will and we have to publish that, a lot of people aren't going to get vaccinated. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to address any of this. We're going to just look the other way. And then once the vaccines have received full approval and hundreds of millions of Americans have already gotten the jab, yeah, then we'll look at these questions and see if and how badly they're harming the American people. I'm guessing, like me, that seems backwards to you. <laughs> if there was going to be any harm done by these mRNA vaccines, we should have known about it before hundreds of millions of people got the jab, not after. Lest you think I'm just making this up out of thin air that the government chose to put off investigating 
all sorts of potential problems with the mRNA vaccines until after everybody was injected with them, I want to share with you something from the FDA technical briefing document that was used to obtain emergency use authorization. In that document, down at the very, very end of where they're discussing potential adverse consequences of the vaccine, it says, risk of vaccine-enhanced disease over time. Vaccine-enhanced disease is one aspect of antibody-dependent enhancement, ADE, remains unknown. Let me read that again. Risk of vaccine-enhanced disease over time remains unknown and needs to be evaluated further in ongoing clinical trials and in observational studies that could be conducted following authorization and or licensure. (laughs) So in other words, again, once it's approved and everybody's vaccinated, these things then that we don't know that could be really harmful, we'll check it out then. So in the last 12 months that Americans have been getting injected with the mRNA vaccine, how many studies have anyone, FDA, CDC, National Institutes of Health, any of them, initiated to determine if these vaccines are causing antibody-dependent enhancement in the people who've been vaccinated? That would be zero. In other words, they said, we can look at that later. Well, apparently a couple hundred million people being injected isn't later enough. And perhaps you think there's some sort of disconnect between the FDA technical briefing document I just shared, a portion of it that I just shared with you, and what people like CDC Director Rochelle Walensky know now. There is, there is no disconnect. On August 18th at a White House briefing, Walensky acknowledged that people who have gotten vaccinated and then the vaccine protection has waned, we discussed that a few minutes ago, how the neutralizing antibodies diminish, those people, when they come in contact with the wild virus, they have more severe COVID-19 than somebody who has not been vaccinated. And do you know what that is? That is the quintessential sign that antibody-dependent enhancement is occurring. And yet, no studies. So what other very critical questions have not been looked at, research has not been formed, and answers have not been obtained besides things like antibody-dependent enhancement? There are two that are of immediate concern to me. One is, if a person had never been infected, this is a timeline I'm sharing with you, they'd never been infected, then they got vaccinated, then they come in contact with the wild virus and they become infected, does the fact that they've been vaccinated somehow disable their body's immune system from activating the production of memory T cells. Keep in mind that getting vaccinated is seen by your body as the initial infection, despite proteins constituting the pathogen for which your body creates the neutralizing antibodies. Yet we know the evidence is overwhelming that the body does not activate production of memory T cells. But if we take the timeline never infected, then got vaccinated, then contact with the wild virus, does the vaccine disable your body's ability to produce memory T cells? What is the answer to that? That would require research that should have been done more than a year ago and never was. I should point out that if that scenario turns out to be true, that the vaccination disables your body's ability to produce its own memory T cells, even in subsequent wild virus infections, then the only option for that person 
they have to keep getting the jab again and again and again and again because the virus is always there somewhere. Here's question number two. If a person was infected by SARS-CoV-2, perhaps asymptomatically, they don't even know, or perhaps they had a case of COVID-19, so their body developed memory T-cells. So as we discussed with the uh, 8 1,000s 1% reinfection rate from prior infection immunity, they are essentially bulletproof as far as protecting from subsequent infection. However, they go out and they get the vaccine anyway. Does the vaccine disable their existing SARS-CoV-2 specific memory T-cells? Imagine having essentially zero chance of reinfection. Then you get a pharmaceutical product put inside you, and suddenly you go from zero chance of reinfection to 50 to 80% chance of reinfection. Imagine if 80 million Americans who had perfect immunity from prior infection and suddenly they get vaccinated and they go to now, now their chance of reinfection is 50 to 80%. By the way, I'm not saying the scenario is true. I'm saying it is a possible scenario and we don't have the data. But let's just run and say it's true for the sake of this illustration that 80 million Americans had their perfect prior infection immunity disabled by the vaccine. And now this pool of 80 million people can get reinfected. And if they don't keep getting shots, they can keep getting reinfected again. And again, and again, because the only thing that stops a pathogen from reinfecting the human body again and again and again is memory T cells. So if it turns out the scenario we're discussing right now is factual, how long do you think the SARS-CoV-2 event is going to drag on? Because what ends these events, that what has ended them throughout all of mankind's history is herd immunity. So now if you have people who never develop any natural immunity in their bodies, their immunity comes solely from a jab again and again and again and again and again with a needle. If they stop getting that jab, they're still going to get infected. They're still going to infect others. How long does this event continue? Years? Decades? I don't know, because it's never happened in all of mankind's history. So we have two groups we've been talking about in these scenarios. One is never been infected, got the vaccine, doesn't have memory T cells. The other scenario we're talking about is has been infected, did have memory T cells, got vaccinated, and under this scenario, then those memory T cells were disabled. To be clear, if either of those is true, or both, it would be the first time in the history of humankind that man's blundering would have allowed a virus to run wild virtually indefinitely. Do I know that either of these scenarios is factual. I don't. The problem is, neither does the government. Because as we discussed before, the government has knowingly, intentionally, and willfully chosen not to conduct any research that would answer these critical questions. Do I imagine Pfizer knows the answer, Moderna knows the answer, um, CDC's Walensky or National Institutes of Health Fauci knows the answer. I imagine they do because there's a huge difference between unofficial gathering of data that's kept close to the vest and only certain people at the top of the food chain know about it. That's one form of, I don't even know if I call it research, we'll call it data gathering, but data gathering can give you a lot of information. 
Then on the other side of the coin, there's official sanctioned research where you actually, you say, okay, you tell the public, we're going to start this study. And in this study, our goals are to determine if this or such is so or is not so. As I mentioned, there is no official studies for any of these things, and I suspect the reason there's a complete blackout on these studies is because people like Walensky and Fauci already know the answer, and they don't want the answers to become public until the maximum amount of people have been injured, I mean vaccinated. And remember, on August 18th, Walensky essentially admitted that the vaccines are resulting in antibody-dependent enhancement. So with that admission, eight months into the emergency use authorization distribution of the mRNA vaccines, how likely or unlikely is it that either of these scenarios that we've discussed today, or both of them, could also turn out to be factual, and Walensky just simply hasn't acknowledged that publicly yet? If one or both of these scenarios we've discussed today is accurate, the people who've been vaccinated can never undo that. And I look at that possibility and I feel bad for the people who are vaccinated. Perhaps it would have been prudent of them to wait until all these critical questions were answered before volunteering to get vaccinated. If this sort of logical analysis is something you really appreciate and enjoy, I'd like you to do me a favor and go to drreality.news. Help me be here for you by picking up a copy of Body Science or Income Tax Shattering the Mist. Selling my books is what allows me to survive financially and be here to do this with you. So instead of something like Patreon or something like that, please run over to the website, grab a copy of Body Science or Income Tax Shattering the Mist or a couple of other publications that are there. Uh, they will absolutely be the most fascinating things you've read probably ever, but certainly in the top 1%. So I would appreciate it if you'd help me be here for you. DrReality.News. And thank you.